The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in on another preview edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We get ready for the return of Teofimo Lopez, the takeover. Uh, will he be taking it over at 140 pounds now? We're about to find out as he's back in action in Las Vegas. We're ready to preview the weekend. I am merely TJ Reeves. He is our insider, our content partner from Big Fight Weekend and his Fight Freaks Unite Substack, Dan Rayfield, back aboard. Uh, Mighty One, good to be with you as we head through uh, through the month of August here. How are things as we begin another preview of a weekend? Things are good. It's a little bit of a slow weekend, but as long as it's slow, at least the one fight we do have, it's one of the biggest names in the sport and somebody I'm uh, very excited to see back in the ring. And Tiafimo Lopez has been a tough uh, eight or nine months for the kid and glad to see him back in action, healthy and ready to go. And by the way, right here on this very podcast, you will hear from Teofimo Lopez on just how difficult it's been on why it appears that lightweight is in his rearview mirror in terms of being able to make the weight uh, and more as Dan spoke with him one-on-one earlier in the week. Stand by for that conversation. Again, that's the top-ranked boxing ESPN main event coming on Saturday. And, and, and again, that's the primary card that we really have. There's some other fight cards in other places. We'll share on that as the preview goes on. we got some news of the week coming up. Reminder again, however you found this podcast, through a social media link, through Dan stuff, through Fight Freaks Unite, what have you, make sure you're following and subscribing here to the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed uh, because we get – uh, the preview going into the weekend, usually out on Friday by the morning time, if not by by mid-morning. And then off the weekend, the Fight Freaks Unite recap comes your way. And then we also have different things, the the uh, the Top Heavyweights podcast, topheavyweights.com podcast here. When, when Dan is able to score interviews or I score an interview with different people, we might break that out into its own thing on the podcast feed. So just make sure you're following or subscribing. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Etc. Okay, so we'll change it up a little bit here. Instead of just going straight into the news, let's go straight into Lopez's uh, return, and then we're going to hear from him about that in a second. Uh, so without uh, trumping your interview where you're talking to him, tell me a little more about the opponent, non-title fight, and again at 140 pounds, Dan. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Tiafimo is coming off the loss to George Cambosis Jr. that took place in November in New York City it was a great fight. Both guys were knocked down, but Cambosis was a massive, massive underdog. Dropped Tiafimo Lopez in round one, and it really changed the sort of feel and way that fight was going. Uh, to Lopez's credit, he fought back very hard. He knocked uh, George down later in the fight, but in the end, George Cambosis rightfully so got his hand raised in a split decision victory. You know, Tiafimo Lopez is a proud kid. He says even now, he says he believes he won the fight. Um, I'll, I'll just, uh, we'll agree to disagree on that particular aspect of it. Um, but it was a tremendous battle. And, uh, you know, listen, the reality was Tifimo ended up in the hospital after that fight with uh, uh, a torn esophagus. He ended up mm. having uh, multiple surgeries for his wrist and, and another injury. Um, you know, was treated once again for the asthma problem that he's been afflicted with throughout his uh, life and certainly his career. Uh, so he's, the kid's been through a lot. You'll hear about some of that when, when they listen to the interview. But in terms of the fight, he's now feeling much better, uh, ready to get back in the ring. Like you said, Saturday in the uh, top-ranked ESPN main event from uh, uh, Las Vegas, 10 p.m. Eastern time for those who care about the time. Um, and it'll be good to see him back and to see if he can make a go at 140 pounds. Look, when, when he was lightweight champion, he had the lightweight division with uh, 
he was there. Obviously, Lomachenko was there. Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, Devin Haney, uh, you know, Cambosis, of course, you know, who ended up pulling the upset. But, you know, a very good and deep weight class. Now these guys are beginning to trickle out of that weight class. Ryan Garcia, uh, not because he was looking to move up, but because Javier Fortuna, the opponent, said he had to do the fight at a heavier weight. So Ryan went up to 140 for that match that recently took place. And he was very comfortable and he looked good. And he basically said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here. I don't have, there's nothing, there's no big title fight for me at 135 right now. So let me stick here at 140. Fimo's made the move up and you can be darn sure that in the, in the future, you know, Haney eventually will move up. He's obviously got some business still going at lightweight with the rematch with Cambosis. Uh, Tank Davis has fought at least one fight at 140 and looked really good in that fight. Uh, he'll go there at some point in the future. So they're go they're starting to move up. And uh, this is the, the opportunity for Lopez to get cracking in this weight class. He's taken on a veteran, uh, but a big underdog in Pedro Campa from Mexico. He's got a good record. He's won about seven fights in a row, but he's never fought a top-level opponent. And uh, this is, you know, you said uh, it's, you know, he called himself the takeover as a lightweight. Now he's calling himself, it's time, if he's, it's the take back. So... <laughs> He's coming to take back what's his, he thinks, like his stature in the sport. And and uh, Pedro Campa is his first, uh, uh, what he believes will be his first victim of the take back. So we'll you see make, if you Dave make me laugh because you don't even know this. So at the time that we're releasing this podcast, school is back in session in Florida. And so you talk about a take back. We're taking back uh, ownership of sleep time, taking back ownership of a lot of things because the school is taking back our kids I, or when okay, I'm at the I, we dinner have to, table, we have to take a little divergent path here for a minute. I find it offensive that, that you peed that kids will be back in school. Uh, like by I August agree. 10th, August 11th, August 12th. That's, ridiculous. That's ridiculous. August 10th or 11th. And I saw there's some in other, uh, in other States and other markets that were back even last week, the first week in August. And uh, now a lot of the Northeast and, and other places, uh, in the West, they won't go till around Labor Day, but yes. So, but I just thought of another one when we're talking take back, like when the food is on the table, like the curly fries were at dinner, <laughs> and the twins are devouring that. My fourteen-year-old daughters, I want to take that back. Can I take back some curly fries from that? But now Teofimo uh, is the take back for this. So why don't we do this? Why don't we hear from him? You spoke with him earlier in the week on all of these subjects and the main event fight with Pedro Campa. Let's hear that now. Talk more about the fight on the other side right here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. All right, everybody. I'd like to welcome in my special guest for this week's edition of the podcast. I'm with none other than the former lightweight unified champion of the world, Teofimo Lopez. It's been a minute since he's been in the ring. I speak as a fan, not as a reporter when I say this. I'm super excited to see uh, this young man get back in the ring. He's in the top rank on ESPN main event coming up Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern time, Las Vegas Resorts World. He's taking on Pedro Campa, moving up to 140 pounds after his run at lightweight. Tfimo, thank you for doing this, and welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you, guys. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm very excited. Can't wait. This is my uh, debut for at 140 officially. And uh, I'm just excited to come back, man, to take back the takeover. Exactly. I think a lot of boxing fans are happy to see you getting back into the ring. Before we get into your fight that takes place on Saturday, let's just take a minute and look back at what has happened in the past nine months. You know, you were as hot as could be. You had the great victory over Vasily Lomachenko to become the champion of the world. Uh, you know, no one can ever take that away from you, obviously. And then you have to make this mandatory defense, and Triller has this wildly crazy high purse bid on the fight, and it's a beautiful situation for you and your opponent, George Cambosis. You're going to make your biggest paydays. The fight gets scheduled, and then everything kind of goes crazy. 
you get COVID, the fight gets canceled or postponed on a number of occasions, uh, it gets strung out months at a time, they can't deliver the fight in a timely fashion. It ends up going to the next purse bidder, which was matchroom boxing. They finally put the fight on in New York in November. Ewan and and, uh, Cambosis put on a great fight. You lose a split decision. You both knock down. It's a fight of the year candidate. Uh, You lose the title. Can you just give me your thoughts about just what the the ups and downs of trying to get in the ring with this man and how much did that affect you in terms of either your preparation, constant training camps, or your focus in the fight? Uh, It affected me heavy. You know, last year, I mean, that's an eight, nine-month camp basically for one fight and one fighter, you know, and and the thing was the, the amount of postponements along with that, you know, and then me getting COVID because of the amount of up and down on my weight you know, cut and everything. So, you know, um, it was just excruciating on my body. You know, I, I broke down my body to the fullest. So by the time November came, the end of November, I mean, I was probably 10%, 20% healthy. So, you know, but these are the things that, that come with it, I suppose. And this is something I learned. You know, it was a mistake of mine to go in there unhealthy. Uh, however, I'm someone that always comes out to perform. I'm a performer. I got to do what I got to do. You know how they say, break a leg. <laughs> you know, it's something I got to go out there and do. You know, that's that's part of my performance. Whether I'm ill, whether I'm sick, you know, no excuses on that end. I, I just got to go out there and finish it. Now, have you ever gone back and watched the fight? And if you so, what do you think about it when you see? Because it was a great fight if you're a fan. Obviously, you're the one in there. But what do you, what do you think when you watch it if you have seen it? Honestly, I think people were just counting counting the punches that Cambosis was throwing. There was a lot of shots that were just coming off, you know, and I think that they didn't, people didn't really peep that. They didn't watch that. And I think the hardest part really was the fact that the zone with their commentators, they were just pushing and pushing for Cambosis. After the first round, all they were showing was Cambosis. I mean, even between the rounds, the highlights, everything, they were just trying to show Cambosis on everything. And, 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 I, and listen... Whether, whether you know, people say I'm wrong or whatever, I know I won that fight. I mean, I did. You know, however, you know, it is what it is. We're moving forward from there. We're moving up to uh, 140 and looking at relinquishing. And, and, well, we're looking at just basically collecting all the belts again at 140, becoming a two-time undisputed world champion. So even though you didn't actually get the official victory, whatever your personal thoughts were about it, I would imagine that after seeing the way you performed in that fight, knowing the things you dealt with, knowing that you were able to get off the mat, put on a tremendous battle, however you had the fight, it certainly was a close fight. Uh, how, how proud of you are you, of yourself for showing that you can, you know, walk through the fire when necessary? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm a true champion. You know, I'm a, I'm a warrior at heart. You know, if I got to die in that ring, so be it. I will. You know, I'm a, I'm a fighter. Nobody really has that. Uh, they don't have that. You know, when they feel like their life is on the on that edge, they don't have that. You know, all I do is I, I got to help me with that, with that part. You know, I, I pray for him during those rounds. I pray for him during those moments uh, to just take care of me. At least let me get through that fight. You know, um, I think really what did it, though, um, was the cut. You know, the cut, the blood. So without with, with us not being able to stop that, the bleeding and everything, I think it made it much more... Um, Sided for Cambosis, they thought that he was doing enough, you know, just from that point. So, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, you know, the table got bigger. <laughs> so it's part of the it's part of the game, I suppose. And, and all I'm thinking about now is um, it's against all odds. That's who I am. You know, I came into this after the Olympic Games against all odds, and really, that's really what we at right well, now. Well, we know after the fight, it came out disclosed afterwards that you fought with the torn esophagus. I know later yeah. uh, after Probably. the. F- 
Say again. It was, yeah, ruptured. Yeah. I had a ruptured esophagus, a ruptured uh, in my chest. So I had airflow in my heart, airflow in my neck. And then during the fight, I had airflow in my head. So uh -huh. even in between the rounds, I couldn't really see him. I would say <laughs> besides that, which is pretty serious, you also then later had uh, a surgery on your wrist, on your elbow. Uh, uh, talking to your manager, Dave McWhorter, mentioned you also had had some additional treatment for the asthma situation that you've always boxed with. You had a lot of physical stuff going on. Uh, how are you now physically? That's a lot of stuff that, you know, one surgery is a lot, two surgeries. Then you got the esophagus, you got the asthma. How are you physically now as you prepare for the return? Man, I feel great. I'm right now like at 90%, man. Maybe now today, I would say 94%. We're going up now. You know, uh, I feel great overall. You know, um, I took the time. You know, I really did. I took the time to step back. You know, um, ESPN top rank. I know they wanted me back a little bit earlier than August. However, I told them that I need to really take the time to recover from everything that has, has happened that past year. Um, everything that, that I was going through throughout my times, um, in my personal life and in my, my boxing life. So really just, uh, now we just have everything gathered. I'm, I'm focused on everything right now, man. I'm focused on August 13th. I'm focused on Pedro Campa, who's 34 and one, 23 knockouts, Mexican veteran who knows what he's doing in the ring. You know, he's going to come forward. It's going to be an outstanding performance though from Teofimo. Well, you just, you told me you feel good. I wonder if physically it sounds like you're, you're, you're in good shape. How are you mentally? I mean, you had to deal with the loss. You had to deal with all the, the contract squabbling and the decision to move up and wait. And, you know, the way things go, trying to get the next fight and where you stand in the sport. How, how has that affected you, you know, upstairs? Oh, you know, it's only made me. It didn't break me. You know, I love that. You know, the first step to success is failure. So, you yeah. know, um, I'm very grateful for all this. I know that the turnaround from this point forward is going to be um, it's going to be bigger than what I could expect over the horizon. You know, and and I thank God for that. You know, mentally, I'm I'm well prepared, man. I honestly think that in this times is better than I've been before the Lomachenko fight and past that. You know, uh, I love a, people love a champion, but they love a comeback story, right? Yeah, sure. So this comeback story that I have right now, the take, the take back, it's really just, uh, it's all about pushing that, pushing the needle, letting everyone know, like, you know, even through failure, it could create much more into you. So not to get too deep on this, and I don't want to belabor the point, but over the nine months since the loss to Cambosis as you head into the fight on Saturday, what do you think yeah. you've learned about yourself in those nine months? That they said I'm either a beast or I'm a god. So it's one of those, and that's definitely what I learned about myself. And I learned that I do. I learned more that I do. I have a passion for my sport. I really truly love my sport. You know, I love boxing. Boxing has saved my life. I mean, what else can I say? You know, it has made me, has grown me, has taught me the lives and teachings through it. You know, from the amateurs. I mean, this ain't my first loss. This is my twenty-first loss. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're including the amateur fights, right? Yeah, yeah, so this is nothing new. I mean, that's what prepares you in life. You know, you go through the amateur stages in boxing, so that way you know how to handle yourself when you do lose. You got to understand, like, it doesn't break you. It just makes you. Every time I've lost, I've always came back bigger and better. How do you feel about the move to 140? I mean, I know you're making 135 wasn't always the easiest thing for you. Uh, do you feel a little freer, uh, a little happier, a little stronger? How is it in terms of the weight situation? All of the above, all of the above. I don't have any concerns. I'm like, dang, man, you know, like I got 
I got like 12 pounds I got to drop. <laughs> I got 10 pounds I got to drop. I have um, those last three, four pounds I have to drop. No, you know, now it's it's just on cruise control. You know, um, I'm right on schedule right now with weight. I believe I'll probably be at 140 by Thursday. So we just taking it day by day, taking the time. Now, a minute ago, you mentioned about Pedro Campa's record, tough Mexican veteran, a come forward kind of guy. Uh, it seems to me that when your team and top rank came together to try to figure out who's the right guy to put in the ring with Tiafimo as he makes the return, moves up in weight. We're going to give him a guy that's not going to be a scientific like a Lomachenko, not a guy that's going to run around. He's going to be there for you to fight and, 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 and perhaps, perhaps be durable. What, what do you expect from yourself in terms of whether it's a knockout, if you're going to go some rounds with the guy, or if you've watched the videos of him and, and, your, and your thoughts on his style? What kind of fight can we as fans and, and viewers expect from you in this one? An eye-candy performance. You know, it's going to be a, a sweet treat for everyone. You know, my performance, really, I've been perfecting on my craft. You know, Bruce Lee says, I don't fear the man that kicks 10,000, that knows how to kick, has 10,000 kicks. <laughs> you know, I fear the man that ha- that kicks one, uh, that practices one kick 10,000 times. So um, in that in that context, I'm really just been focusing on practicing specific things over and over and over and over and over again. So just to perfect my craft. So that way, when we come to fight night, everything comes together all at once. And are you practicing the backflip for your victory? Oh, man, I've been doing that since I was seven. So absolutely. Okay. You know, seven, so this is the, that's all second nature to me. You know, so, everything. Uh, now now is when I have fun. Really, the hard part is the, is the training. I've been pushing myself to greater limits. I mean, when I'm tired, I just think about my son. I think about his beautiful smile and how he looks at me. And just in those moments when I'm really exhausted and tired, it pushes me to do two more, three more. So um, I love it. You know, God knows what he does with, with all of us. And uh, I can't wait for everybody to tune in. August 13th, live on ESPN. So... I'll just wrap up with this, Tifimo, and I definitely appreciate the time here. You know, assuming you you beat Campa, which everybody expects that you're going to do, you're the big favorite, obviously. Um, it's a tough fight, though. Oh, I'm not it's saying that's not a tough fight. I'm just I saying know, that they're no, not putting... It's, it's definitely one that, you know, it's a test. It's really a test. How, how I go from exerting and exploding basically my lungs to now fighting a pressure fighter who you definitely need to use your lungs. You know, this yeah. is definitely a turnaround. You know, um... You know, I trust in my, my matchmakers, Bruce Trampler and Brad Goodman. So, you know, and I understand that they want to see how much do I really want this. You know, and then I know that the turnaround, they'll give me, not only will they give me, it's basically it's earned, yeah. that I have title shots. Definitely within the end of this year or next year. Well, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, the champion in the weight class is Josh Taylor. He's got two of the belts. The other two presently are vacant because of his own mandatory situation. Um, the prevailing thought is he's going to be in a rematch uh, near the end of the year with Catterall. Uh, Josh feels like, based on what he said after the Catterall first fight, that he'll probably be looking to go up to welterweight, but maybe it could be an enticement to stay there if there's a, a big name like yourself or somebody to, you know, take on as a challenge. Um so I'm just wondering, in terms of the guys out there that you would target, and I'll wrap up with this. There's Taylor. There's a Devin Haney who may come up eventually. There's Ryan Garcia now at 140. Tank Davis probably will be at 140 soon enough. He's fought there once before. There's some point is there's some big names. You're a big name. What what do you think is the big action for you? The big money, the big the big deal fight for Tifima Lopez in junior welterweight division. 
I mean, we should have had done this at 135. Nobody wanted to fight. Everybody was overpricing themselves. We tried to fight Devin Haney. He priced himself at $8 million. People ain't going to pay for that. Um, they're not going to pay him for that. They paid for him this time around for the Cambosas, and they're regretting it on their grave right now because uh, it's not an exciting fighter. You know, you're paying too much for someone that doesn't give you that value. Um, I just think that a lot of these fighters are too way ahead. They think that they're Floyd Mayweathers and stuff. And if they, if only they did their research a little bit better, and if they actually really did their research on all these fighters, you have to start somewhere. But know? was there any of those uh, guys that you're really most interested in, or you just let it come to you as it happens? As it happens, I let it come to like come to me. Like, and at the end of it all, God is my matchmaker. He's gonna put these people at the right time. Really. Well, don't you know, ups, don't upset Brad Goodman by telling him that God is your matchmaker. Hey. <laughs> No, hey, those guys are those guys are beasts, though. You know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So, and and but overall, he's the one that puts the right things at the right time for me. You know, he places these people at the right time. Lomachenko was at the perfect time. You know, all those things happen for its reasons. And um, I never say no to any fight. Ex Brad Goodman, ex Bruce Trampler, they know who I am. They now they know how I am, and they know how me and my father work. We we are. We are dynamic, man. We don't care who it is. Honestly, like, I don't want to say it because then that's what they're going to hit me with. However, I believe in myself that much that I will take less to fight these guys to get them out the way if I have to. Because nobody wants to fight. I'm not going to give these guys an excuse. You want to fight me? Best believe I'm going to come at you. Well, Pe Pedro Campa signed the contract. I speak probably for most boxing fans when I say we're very much looking forward to seeing you back in action Saturday in the ring uh, against Campa on the ESPN Top Rank Main Event at the Resorts World, 10 p.m. Eastern, for, for those who want to make sure they tune in. Tifimo, thank you very much for uh, your time, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck going forward. You got it, and thank you, Dan. Appreciate you all, and thank you to the podcast, man. Shout out to you guys. Hey, keep going. All right, so again, you spoke with him a little earlier in this week, and now we're to the buildup of this weekend. Um, how did you find him? Because, again, I, I should say to the audience, you were on a Zoom conversation where you could see him smiling some during that conversation how did you find him because you've interviewed him before and what kind of lopez do you think we will see just on this on the speculation of what you saw in the interview what do you think listen he was in great spirits you know he looked uh he looked like he was very close to the weight looked in shape i mean he's wearing clothes but he looked good sounded good uh as people heard in the interview he admitted that he was about 90 percent healthy but that's a lot better than he was uh in the past because of the different ailments he's uh dealt with um I find Teofimo Lopez to be one of the most compelling fighters in boxing. Uh, I'm not saying he's the pound for pound number one, but in terms of my interest in watching him fight, because he brings such emotion to the ring and such charisma. Uh, and I like him. I've known him since his professional debut. Um, I've covered many of his fights. Um, I, I know his father, uh, you know, he gets a bad rap. Sometimes I think he's a good kid with, with, with good intentions. Um, you know, he's outspoken. He doesn't care what people think so much. He'll say what he feels. I like that. Uh, he's got a great style to watch. You know, he, he fits the mold of what I like in, in what I find a boxer I enjoy watching in that he's a very skillful, capable boxer, but his tendencies, he likes to fight. And I always think about the fighters in, in that mold that I've been fans of over the years. Uh, an Oscar De La Hoya, a Shane Mosley, a Meldrick Taylor, guys that are really skillful fighters but they like to stand and fight. And so they can mix it up in both of those styles. And Tiafima Lopez is one of those kinds of guys who's got a lot of skills, but is his inclination, his mentality is to stand in there and, and fight it out if he needs to. And uh, he's done that. And, you know, Tampa, uh, the opponent, obviously not a great guy. Not, not a great opponent, I should say. He, he might be a great guy. I never met him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Pedro Campa. might be a wonderful person. But the point is, 
he's there for Lopez to shine and to see and to let himself see and top rank see and us fans see where is he after a loss that was more probably mentally debilitating than physically debilitating, but also as he's dealt with the injuries that he's had and, uh, and, and some issues in his personal life and that sort of thing. And uh, you know what, the, 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 the turn the chapter of the book and you start anew on Saturday night. And that's the way that Tifima was looking at it. He's not trying to look in the past so much, although he did, as people listen, was happy to discuss what occurred with the Cambosis fight. But now it's about looking forward and uh, trying to trying to move on with the next chapter of, uh, of this young man's career. And we should mention, you mentioned heavily favored. He's minus 2,500 right now on the bet U.S. line as we head towards the weekend uh, to get the win, if not a KO with Campa, who's not highly thought of. He's plus 900 Campa as the underdog uh, in this fight. He's got and, a good record, though, TJ. Campa's 34-1 right? and one with one knockout. I mean, 34-1 uh, and one with one draw and 23 knockouts. And he's, he's only 30 years old. Uh, you know, he's he's coming here. He knows what he's facing. He, it's not his first time fighting in the United States, although uh, it's not been a regular thing. He fought here maybe once or twice prior. But uh, you have to suspect that a guy like that, knowing, for, for a kid like Tampa, this is like his world title fight. Right. This is his biggest opportunity of his life. So you got to figure he's going to be amped up to, to at least give his best effort. And, you know, sometimes that can cause upsets. And so, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but. If you're a boxing fan, I don't know how you're not watching this. It's not like it's a pay-per-view. It's free on, you know, if you have basic cable or whatever, it's on ESPN. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Lopez back in action. All right, good enough. Uh, why don't we pause here? We're going to come back and talk about the rest of that top-ranked card. There's another former world champion also in action on Friday. And we got news, news, news everywhere. Dan was uh, basically breaking earlier in the week. We have a couple of potential dates for Spence Crawford. Undisputed welterweight title is Tyson Fury fighting Derek Chisora next or not uh depends on who you believe we're going to cover all of that shortly we're back on big fight weekend now here's your host tj reeves we are back in once more in the preview mode. Again, a reminder, stay with this podcast feed. Make sure you're following, subscribing, because we're coming your way with a Fight Freaks Unite recap show off the weekend, no matter what happens. We're always recapping it here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. And we've got Usyk and Joshua heavyweight title rematch coming next weekend. That means a topheavyweights.com preview podcast will be out middle of next week as well. With our guy, Sean, from TopHeavyweights.com. That's all he does. It's heavyweights nonstop at TopHeavyweights.com. So you get all of these shows if you're just part of this podcast feed, following or subscribing. Friendly reminder there. Some news of the week upcoming in a few moments. I called Dan Rayfield back in once more. We left off talking about the ESPN top-ranked show Saturday night uh, from Las Vegas. On that undercard, up-and-coming uh, prospect that we enjoy seeing in Xander Zayas, a junior middleweight Hard punching. He's in an eight-round fight with Elias Espadas, if I have that correct. Tell me more. What do we expect here? Uh, Zayas may be big. Zayas may be by knockout. Can Espadas give him a little uh, test here in this fight on the undercard? What do you think, Dan? Probably not. I mean, you know, the idea is as top rank builds, uh, Xander Zayas is only 19 years old, a tremendous prospect um, out of Florida in your neck of the woods that – the object is to, you know, get him the rounds and get him the experience that he needs. And, uh, you know, it seems highly unlikely that a guy like a who's 22 and four 
is gonna gonna take him out or beat him. Um, but he's experienced from the standpoint that he's fought some some other pros that people may have heard of. He fought Demetrius Ballard, turned out to be no contest. Uh, he fought Yamaguchi Falcao, who was the brother of Esquiva Falcao, the, the Brazilian silver medalist, but Yamaguchi himself was also an Olympian. Uh, that fight went the distance in a, in a decision. So he does have some experience, and that's the whole idea right now is they build up. There's no hurry with Xander's eyes. There's no hurry whatsoever with this kid. The idea is just get him the reps, get him the experience, and and uh, on paper anyway, a spot as appears to be the kind of guy that will probably bring him that experience Um and uh, he'll, you know, just keep the chains moving, move on, get some exposure. Hopefully it's a fun fight to watch for the fans. Uh, but that's that's the deal here. He's he's being featured. Uh, you know, he's just starting out his journey. He's not, you know, he's been on a lot of ESPN plus portions of these undercards. Uh, now he's getting an opportunity once again to be on the main card on the network and, uh, you know, keep on keeping on. He's a young guy with a lot of a lot of potential. Well, and again, we should make mention Zayas heavily favored. We were talking about this uh, before that he's minus 5,000 here in this or basically 50 to one favorite. You're going to have to bet a bunch to win anything. Uh, so we're looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in that co-feature fight here. Again, a scheduled eight-rounder. I was looking to as well for the knockout prop in this one and the Bet U.S. guys. Uh, do have the knockout prop for Xander Zayas at uh, minus 225. So they believe this will be a KO, much more so than the decision, the eight-round decision to get there. So we'll see if that's the case. Real quick, is there something else that intrigues you off the top-ranked Saturday night show? Before we well, move those are the two main – yeah, those are the two fights on the main card. I guess if you're watching the uh, the, the the stream uh, of, uh, of ESPN, you know, on ESPN Plus of the preliminary fights – you know, I'm interested in the fact that they do have the two United States Olympians who are both uh, 6-0 undefeated kids. You got the featherweight Duke Reagan who won the silver medal in the Olympics in Tokyo. You got the middleweight Troy Isley, also uh, a really strong, uh, extremely uh, well put together uh, prospect in the middleweight division. So again, they're again they're fighting in preliminary type fights as they build up their records and get their professional experience. So I can't sit here and tell anybody in good conscience that these are highly, you know competitive can't miss kind of fights but if you're interested in watching the development of guys who at some point you figure are going to make that jump eventually into the main card uh, the way Tifimo Lopez did from being in these preliminary fights now as a main event and you know having won a world championship uh, these are the guys you look for on those cards and so you know I'm looking forward to seeing their development and that's part of the undercard all right so that'll be part of that let's back up to Friday night with one more preview and then I promise we're getting to a little news of the week before we're out of here on the big fight weekend preview Tevin Farmer in action a former world champion what at 130 pounds this is a fight that has moved all over the schedule and all over continents has it not Tevin Farmer and Mickey Bay uh lightweight lightweight 10 round non-title fight Dan illuminate here this one has been on the docket in a few places and is, and is wound up in a different third place, right? Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's kind of a weird fight. I mean, it's, it's two guys that are known to diehard boxing fans. They both have been champions at various uh, uh, times. You know, Mickey Bay had a, a lightweight title for about a minute, never, never had a chance to defend it. Um, had long layoffs. Tevin Farmer had a good little run as a junior lightweight title holder and was very active during that title reign, fought like five times in like a year or something like that, and uh, was extremely active, but hasn't had a fight since he lost the title 
uh, on a close decision to Joseph Diaz. That's all the way back in January of 2020. So, you know, before the pandemic is the last time he fought. And uh, it's been a long time. In terms of Mickey Bay, his last fight was at the end of 2019. I was actually at that fight. He fought Cambosis in what was a um, IBF, or I guess it was an IBF elimination fight that George had won. And it was a close fight, but but Cambosis was the rightful winner. So they're two guys who are friendly with each other, who have been good professionals, who are decided with their own companies to make a fight between them. But it's kind of a weird thing. It's been basically zero promotion. Uh, it's on a, I don't even know the name of it off the top of my head. It's on like a pay-per-view Redemption stream. Redemption pay-per-view. Yeah, good luck. I don't know that what we're out. redeeming, but that's the name I, of it. Anyway, you made the mention. They made the fight. It was supposed to take place in... In Africa at one point, there was <laughs> okay. issues with COVID. So they moved the fight on the same day. It was still going to be the same date, but they moved it to uh, the UAE, United Arab Emirates. And it was supposed to go forward. And then that's when uh, the president of the country passed away. And they were in like a mourning period. Remember the Floyd Mayweather right. exhibition right. was also uh, delayed from taking place or had to move to a different location. So once the fight was not taking place in Dubai, I'm like, okay, where's this fight taking place? actually was messaging with farmer about it to see what the updates were and he was like yeah we're going to be fighting in uh you know prescott valley arizona which i guess is like outside of Air, uh, phoenix or tucson or whatever and that's where the fight is so if you're a real you know, real diehard, uh, you and i've done this and we love sarcasm we've done it long enough i've always said if you can't fight in africa or in dubai you got to make it happen in prescott valley arizona don't you which you is the to. weirdest thing because mickey bay <laughs> is like from cleveland and tevin farmer is from like philadelphia correct and they're fighting in the southwest right. where Nobody has Apparently, any kind of geographical. Uh, Boise, Idaho, not available. So, uh, but they are going to fight Friday. They don't laugh. Boise, Idaho once hosted a Roy Jones fight. I understand. But uh, the Boise State Broncos are good on the blue turf in college football. But that's beside the point. Again, as we release this podcast, this is Friday night. Whatever redemption pay-per-view is, look it up online. That's where it is. It's a non-title fight. But for Farmer in particular, He's looking to kind of get back into relevance, and this is a lightweight fight here. Here we go again with lightweights. So that's the intrigue, and Farmer no, he's is listening. a favorite. He's, he's moving up in weight, and to be honest, okay, I mean, yep. the winner of the fight is not a champion, is not necessarily top-ranked or getting uh, an opportunity in a mandatory, but the winner of the fight, in particular, as you said, if it's Farmer, he's going to put himself in a position where he's going to possibly be called on as a very quality opponent for one of the other bigger names in the division. So uh, the two men, the boxers, Bay and, and Farmer may disagree with my assessment, but they're essentially fighting to get their name called to be the opponent for one of the other bigger guys, the bigger names in the weight class, which is not such a bad thing because you get an opportunity and you make some money. Bigger you know, they're both Listen, Mickey Bay, uh, you know, I'm not sure why he hasn't fought since 2019 exactly, but he and Farmer are both talented boxers, not so much on the punching end of things, but they're capable. They were both good amateurs. And uh, they both they both know how to handle themselves. They both have, uh, you know, one world titles and uh, now they're fighting each other. I mean, you know, who knows? We'll see. Bet US line has former minus 500 headed into the weekend. Mickey Bay plus 350. Another plug for our Bet US boxing preview show. We will uh, mention something about this one on the preview show here and what's going to happen. And we've got uh, some interesting props, the decision props are very interesting there, too, because the odds makers at BetUS think this is going to be a distance fight. You mentioned how much of a layoff for both guys. It may take them a little bit to get warmed up and only a scheduled 10-round, not a uh, not a 12-rounder. Well, I think the big reason for that, case, by yeah. the way, is because 
Mickey Bay's only got like six knockouts right. and, and Farmer's only got 11 knockouts. They both yep. have less than 50% knockout percentage by a long shot. And uh, neither one of them, they're, they're known as skillful boxers, but not as big punchers. And that's, that's why, why people figure it's going 12 rounds that's or 10 rounds, man. I should say. That's why my man Rayfiel is on the case whenever we're breaking all of this down. All right, so there's a plenty of a preview, plenty of news, too. Let's go through uh, two or three things here fairly quickly. Uh, we're narrowing down for a potential Errol Spence-Terrence Crawford fight. Not official, not official official, but you have learned November targeted in a couple of weeks in November. Tell us more about what you figured out this week for the undisputed world welterweight title fight that could and likely will come off. Yeah, I do think it's going to happen. I mean, I'm, you know, you never say never. And, and anybody that knows me and my history of, of handicapping, whether these major, major fights are going to take place knows I'm always the pessimist in the room. Um, but I do think this one's going to get done. And for a couple of reasons, one, I know both fighters desperately want this match. That's, this is the legacy fight. This is the money fight. This is for all the marbles for undisputed. So uh, these are two fighters that have never looked to duck people and they know that it's a chance for them to make their biggest pay purses by far and to have their biggest uh, piece of their resume legacy hall of fame type of material. I mean, these are, this is a fight. These types of fights don't come around a lot. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and you can probably count on like one hand, the fights of this magnitude, they're both undefeated. It's for undisputed. And not only is they, are they undefeated and it's for undisputed. Um, it's a fight that people have wanted to see for a few years. It's not like they're young guys. They're, they're, they're older, but they're still considered in their primes. They're both tremendous fighters. And the winner of this fight has a very strong case and a likely case to be the pound-for-pound pound king of boxing, you know, particularly in light of uh, the recent Canelo Alvarez loss a few months ago. So this is legacy, fame, money, you know, just everything that's big time about the sport of boxing. Uh, you know, it's the fight that win or lose, the, the guy that comes out on top, this will be the fight that they say first in, in, in the resume. And then likewise, the loser is going to be remembered in many ways for the loss. Obviously it's not going to define their career because they're still going to be uh, considered, you know, future hall of famers in many ways, but it's for all the marbles. And so I do think it's going to happen anyway, but to back up to the question um, they've been negotiating and by my, what my sources have told me is that the two dates that they have narrowed this down to likely in Las Vegas, although PBC, still obviously open and looking at other potential locations, but Las Vegas does seem to make the most sense. That's not exactly a, a trade secret there, but anyway, November 12th or November 19th. Uh, and they're so far down the road and so confident that they'll get this wrapped up and papered that the, that the PBC folks are already starting to, to do their due diligence on putting together an undercard, which probably will include Imanta Stanionis, who is the WBA's regular welterweight champion. That would be, already is the mandatory for Spence's WBA belt, but certainly would be there as a mandatory for the winner of the fight. Uh, although I have to say, uh, to look a little ahead, whoever wins this fight, I think they're going up to junior middleweight. Terrence Crawford has talked about that. Errol Spence has talked about this being, you know, the end of the day for him at welterweight. Um, but anyway, Stanley Onis, uh, possibly against Cody Crowley on the undercard. Both of those fighters won fights that were on Errol's last undercard when he defeated Ordenis Ugas earlier in the year to unify three of the titles. Um, so again, everybody's like losing their minds. Like why aren't they announcing it? Whatever. Like, everybody take a deep breath. These things take time. November is still plenty of time to get this wrapped up. Uh, it's not like it has to be done tomorrow. I always try to like, try to be the voice of reason, the calming influence. <laughs> everybody take a step back from the ledge. Take a deep the breath. Savages don't want to wait for anything. We know this. Uh, and and, and I just logically, say that isn't one of the probably holdups. Gonna happen. 
Okay, yeah, but logically, isn't one of the holdups a rematch? And what does a rematch clause look like? And I don't know what to, the holdup is. But, so, I mean, logically, that's got to be one of the things besides just I, making no, the singular fight. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I'm not saying it isn't. Right. But I am. I have no – there's no evidence that I have uh, uncovered. I'm not saying that it's not true. But nothing has even remotely um, come to me that says – the hang up, or even if there is a hang up as they work through these things, that it's a rematch clause or it's this or it's that. And honestly, I'm not so sure because it's undisputed and it's all the marbles that it, there necessarily wouldn't be a rematch clause. Maybe I don't know the answer to that, but you know, most fights do, but in this type of fight, <clears throat> there might not be an actual rematch clause because if the fight's good enough, they can just make it on their own. And frankly, the winner is going to be saddled with all kinds of mandatories and it would be highly unlikely that they wouldn't be stripped of titles or have to vacate or whatever. Now they might do that. Look what happened with Josh Taylor. He became undisputed. Mm -hmm. He ended up vacating or getting stripped when uh, Terrence Crawford was the undisputed champion. Also in the junior welterweight division, he ended up moving up in weight, but it took a little bit of time before he made his decision. And what happened is slowly, but surely they order this mandatory, they order that mandatory. His belts were just sort of taken away one at a time. And finally, he just said, forget this. And it was always the plan. He's going up and he fought Jeff Horn and won one of the belts in the welterweight division, which he still holds to this day, the WBO. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that I, I know the reasons why it hasn't been signed yet. I just know in my experience of covering these major negotiations for a million of these types of fights, uh, it just takes time that things do not happen overnight. It's like a glacier moving across the sea right, and things dude. get done when they have to get done very, right. very, very rarely in these types of major types of fights. Do you, do you see things get finalized until there's some type of deadline that everybody faces, whether it's a purse bid right, or right. it's, you know, some type of pressure from the network or whatever. And, and at the moment in a case of uh, Crawford and Spence, that's not the case. But I'm going to tell you one other thing. You can say whatever you want about Al Heyman, the mastermind and the boss man of the PBC. When Al Heyman controls both sides, the fights get made. That's right. And, it, and I'm not saying he controls Terrence Crawford, but he obviously has been with, with Errol Spence since day one of his pro career. And he doesn't have necessarily a longstanding relationship with, uh, with uh, Terrence Crawford and his team. But Crawford is not encumbered by another promotional outfit or some other entity. So... Al can make this fight because Al, when it comes to making fights between guys that he controls in terms of at least for this bout, and you have to assume that he'll give PBC or that's part of it. I don't know about a rematch clause, but you got to figure it's at least a multi-fight agreement. Al Heyman is not the type of business person that is going to give him an opportunity, Errol Spence, if he doesn't have at least something coming back. The one exception, and for obvious reasons, because it did, you know, a very big pay-per-view number. He had uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez for one fight, gave him the Caleb Plant opportunity. But how did he not? Because Caleb made $10 million for that fight. Right. The point is, with rare exception, that being like the only one, Heyman knows how to get these big fights well, done. And we could you may go, not love look, them, but that's how, it, that's how we roll. Man. We, we could go for another 15 minutes, and we don't have it here at this point in time, <clears throat> that you have the whole back and forth that they wanted Terrence Crawford to come with them, and Terrence Crawford chose to stay with top rank, and you covered all this, et cetera, et cetera. So is there still some acrimony for that reason? And you are 1,000% correct for the peeps, for the savages, Stop Stop trying to act like this is not a factor. It absolutely is a factor that he wants more than one fight, Heyman and PBC from Terrence Crawford, to give him the shot at Errol Spence. It, I mean, I, I don't sit in the room with them while they're negotiating, 
But we we know that this has been Obvious. the case. I mean, they want a second and maybe even a third fight with Terrence Crawford, not just a now. One maybe off. Crawford has agreed to that, and I yeah. don't see you know for Crawford, you know, having that type of uh, stability is not a bad thing. Maybe it's about what's the money. Maybe it's about what's the split. Maybe it's about you know mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe. And I'm I'm making this up. I'm just Are you sort trying of, to make me have here. a rematch clause, for example? And I don't want a rematch clause. That could or be maybe, another maybe reason. Saying, speculating. Listen, if I give you another fight, I want to go to one fifty. Where you give me a shot at Charlotte, yes, or whatever. I mean, the point is, there's a lot of a lot of things that go into getting this done. Everybody, take a deep breath, do a little yoga, do a little deep breathing exercise, and I'll I'll be fine. Rapidly, you also had uh, for earlier this week on your Fight Freaks Unite Substack, and as a content partner with Big Fight Weekend, that Juan Francisco Estrada was supposed to have one fight that it looked like it was happening with Joshua Franco of San Antonio, Texas. Now that's apparently not happening, and we may get the, the trilogy fight with Chocolatito. Tell me more about what you've learned, because we still got to talk Terrence, or uh, I'm sorry, Tyson Fury before we're done. But tell me first about Estrada Chocolatito 3 that looks like it might be happening next. Well, they've had two great fights. One many years ago. One was in, uh, you know, last year where uh, Estrada won uh, on a, what I thought was a terrible decision. I thought Roman Gonzalez was the clear winner of that fight, although very close. But more importantly, it was a great fight, one of the fights of the year. Uh, Estrada unified two of the junior bantamweight titles when he when he retained his own belt and took Gonzalez's belt. Um, and he was supposed to do a WBA mandatory against a regular champion, Joshua Franco. There was a purse bid that Golden Boy won, and I was told that the deal was all good and the fight was going to take place in July, and it never happened. And now, as I come to find out, uh, the fight is off. Estrada is planning to give up the title. Uh, Joshua Franco's contract with Golden Boy has expired. He is now a free agent on the market. So if you're a promoter out there and you're looking to sign a, you know, a kid that's about to get elevated to the full title holder in that weight class, uh, he's available. Uh, in any event, uh, the, the plan is now to revisit the Chocolatito fight. So what I am told is that uh, because Gonzalez and Estrada were supposed to fight for a third time in October of last year, one of them came down with COVID. Uh, Roman Gonzalez came down with COVID. It didn't happen. If I was rescheduled for this past March and what happened, Estrada came down with COVID. So on short notice, uh, Julio Cesar Martinez, who was the WBC's flyweight champion, stepped up on so much on a few weeks short notice and took on uh, Roman Gonzalez anyway to sort of save that show. And Roman Gonzalez looked spectacular in that fight, won handily. So Dominated. he just fought in the not too distant past. But Estrada hasn't fought since the Roman Gonzalez fight last March. So my understanding is that his promoter, Zanford Promotions, will give him a fight in Mexico sometime in like September. You know, won't be a big name. It'll just be getting the ring, a 10-rounder, probably just work out your business. Uh, and then, if all goes well, they'll make the rematch, uh, uh, the third fight, rather, for December uh, and uh, and put it on, probably, you know, with Eddie Hearn in the zone, and it'll be another great fight. And uh, they'll be back. And now, it won't be for the WBA title because he'll have vacated, and Roman Gonzalez was already had given up the W, you know, his title when he lost the fight. And so it will technically, I guess, would be for Estrada's franchise title. Who cares about that? But anyway... The main point is this. You got two probable future Hall of Famers in a in a big time trilogy fight that can't be anything other than highly entertaining. And as I have posited, based on the recent comments from Nonito Donaire, uh, the great uh, four division champion whose desire is to win a fifth belt to uh, drop down to the junior bantamweight division. In my perfect world, you see the third fight between Chocolatito and Estrada come December. They'll have another great fight. Let them all take a little bit of a rest. And then the winner of that fight can give an opportunity to Nonito Donaire 
uh, I guess, for the franchise title. Maybe he wouldn't want it because it was not for one of the true title belts. But you know what? It's still a big-time fight with great Hall of Fame names. And, uh, you know, who wouldn't want to see that? All right. Let's hope so on that. Let's wrap on this, Mr. Rayfield. Tyson Fury taking to social media a couple of times this week. Uh, first saying to Derek Chisora, kind of playfully sign the contract. What's going on? <clears throat> Calling him some names. Chisora <laughs> then comes back with a tremendous smack back. Uh, not unlike uh, Rayfield swatting the trolls on social media. He comes back with, you need to ask mommy and daddy, meaning uh, Frank Warren and Bob Arum about getting me the contract. Um, so they're playing with each other, obviously, on social media. Fury comes back and says, yes, I'm fighting him. Yes, we're sending him a contract. And then you midweek got a hold of Bob Arum, top-ranked boxing co-promoter of Tyson Fury. And Bob Arum said to you, whoa, 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 not so fast. This is not necessarily next. All right, fill in the blanks here. Realistically, is this just silliness or could this be happening? Give me no, more of course it's silliness. Tyson, as Bob Arum said, and, and, and he's probably right, Fury gets up in the morning and was like, what kind of shit can I stir up? That was Bob's quote. And he goes on his social platforms, which has a lot of followers, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. And he makes these videos and he says, I want to do this. I want to do that. And everybody runs to their, their, their phone or their computer and reads it. And then the writers write it and, you know, everybody talks about it, gets YouTube videos made about it. And it just keeps his name out there. And I think Tyson Fury just likes to have fun. So as I wrote in, in my most recent column uh, that people can read on my uh, Substack at danrayfield.substack.com, Fury is a very, you know, if you, if you want to, if you, if you enjoy the Tyson Fury show, listen to him for fun, but don't listen to him for factual information. He's a, he's a, he's a great fighter and, and a great personality, but he has a little bit of a struggle with the truth. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean that like, he's just a blatant liar. I just mean, he like, he, he tells tall tales. Like his, his, his imagination is as big as his persona. As he big loves as his body. to play with the public and tantalize 100%. and tease. So I you take don't a lot even of give, do you give this like a 10% chance of no, happening? No. 5% are you down to like zero already? I give, I, I, I take most of what Tyson Fury says with a wink of the eye. Now, in the case of his stuff about the Chisora fight, by the way, nobody wants to see a third Chisora fight. He fought him years ago twice. Yep. Once was a clear you know, wipeout decision. The other fight, he stopped him. You know, No knock on, on Chisora. He's a good dude, and he makes a lot of exciting fights, and he's fought everybody, but he's not. In a, it shouldn't be challenging for the heavyweight championship of the world at this stage of his career, in my opinion. My opinion. Right. He is coming off a solid win over uh, uh, Kubrat Pulev. Uh, you know, a but month he's or got so twelve ago. losses. He's lost yeah, something just, like six times in the last four years. Yeah, it's a highly oh. unlikely. But the the more to the point for for Tyson Fury to go on his social media and say we have it, we're making this fight, is like me saying to you, TJ, the moon is made of cheese. And and I say that because and Bob Arum articulated this with a few curse words thrown in, and then people can read the quotes in the story. Nobody is making plans for a Tyson Fury fight in any way, shape, or form until post-August 20th. And why August 20th? Because that is the date on which uh, uh, Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua will have their rematch, and the winner of that fight, uh, either Usyk will stay with his three title belts or AJ will regain those three title belts, and that way they can then pursue Fury against the winner of that fight for the Undisputed Championship. Obviously, if it's Usyk, that's a very big fight, and the fight that Bob Arum rightfully believes is a much easier fight to make because Bob has close relationships with the, the Usyk team. Um, if it's Joshua that wins, it's a much bigger fight because of how big it is in Britain. Uh, right. They could fill two Wembley stadiums for that kind of matchup. 
Uh, but but again, they'd be willing to make the fight, then they'd have to go work with Eddie Hearn. But the point is, for everybody involved, the promoters and the TV people and the certainly the fighters and their teams, huge, huge, huge amounts of money. And remember, TJ, last year, they had a deal done. Top rank and matchroom worked out a deal, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, to unify the four titles before Joshua uh, ultimately lost to Usyk. However, the fight was canceled and scuttled. Everything was agreed to because Deontay Wilder won his arbitration case that forced Tyson Fury into that third fight between them that took place last fall. And when that happened, so then Joshua made his mandatory against Usyk. Tyson Fury beat Wilder, but but Usyk beat uh, Joshua. So the fight never happened. Now, now there's a chance that if Joshua is the winner, they can put that back together. There would probably still be high interest from the Saudis to bring that fight there. They were willing to put up you know, a huge amount of money, nine figures to bring the fight there. Uh, it's a bonanza fight. It's the biggest fight in boxing by far, in my opinion. And and uh, for Tyson Fury to somehow suggest, eh, I'm going to go fight Derek Chisora. I mean, we have, we have a, you know, we don't want to curse out too much, but get the fuck out of here. That is not happening. Now, right. the one thing that Bob did say, the caveat was this, it makes sense. If they can't put together the fight for the undisputed, or if the winner of the fight somehow had some kind of injury that was going to keep him out for an extended period and not allow them to make the fight with Fury in a timely fashion, which in my mind, a timely fashion would be, you know, around the end of this year, maybe even at the very beginning of next year, uh, then maybe they would go as a placeholder fight. They would go pursue a Chisora type of fight. Take that for what it's worth. But Well, but can I just interject and we got to go? Yeah. Fury is training with Joseph Parker right now. Parker yes. connect the dots, beat Derek Chisora. If Parker was to beat Joe Joyce, hypothetically, in their announced fight that's now coming in September, there's the more logical, interesting fight, isn't it, for Tyson Fury if it's not an undisputed fight? Forget Chisora. Give me the guy that beat Chisora that's younger, that hasn't lost as many times. Do you feel me? They're training I mean, I together. Do, but They're training together. They are, but they are thinking about it, and I don't know if this would prevent them from fighting each other. But Fury and Parker have actually become good friends with each other over the last few years. So I don't know if they'd right. want to fight each other. But then again, Fury might give him the fight to help him get a payday. If um, Joyce wins over Parker and they're looking to make a fight, that's a Frank Warren Queensberry fighter. Wouldn't, sure. That's much more attractive than Chisora. That's a, listen, I mean, it's not as big. As Fury versus Joyce, especially if Joyce is now coming off of the victory against Parker. I mean, obviously, that's a very big fight for Britain. It's certainly a bigger fight than a Chisora fight. Yep. It's a bigger fight in a, than a Parker fight. Um, so, And like you said, both of them are with Frank. So I think that's doable. They both fight on the same British television platform, which is BT Sport. So, yeah, that's 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 another fight that would have a huge crowd and, and, and sell out whatever place they put it in, whether it's a stadium or an arena or whatever. So anyway, it's just the notion that he's going to fight the 12 loss on the backside of his career, Derek Chisora, in a fight that there's never been one utterance of public demand for uh since you got to go back probably to the first fight in like 2011 i think it was correct i don't i mean i don't even remember there being a clamor for the second fight which was the one where he scored the knockout so you know the whole thing is just ridiculous as i say i'll say again listen to tyson fury because he's a great a great to listen to because he's amusing and he's funny and he's got a big big personality but if you're looking for factual information not the best place to start and on that note, I think we are good here. We've got action this weekend, including the showdown uh, for, what did you say, the take back. It is a, back. A, an interesting fight for Teofimo Lopez back in the ring for the first time since his loss to George Cambosis. He's headlining the top-ranked ESPN Las Vegas card Saturday night. We've got that action going on. We've got Tevin Farmer in action again in Arizona 
with Mickey Bay on Friday night. You may already know that result. If you're listening to us on Saturday, you probably do know that result. But we're ready for all of this action this weekend. And one more friendly reminder, come find us on the Fight Freaks Unite recap when the weekend is over. Also, another reminder, find us on the Friday afternoon BetUS show, BetUS platforms, the app, BetUS's YouTube page. We're making some gambling predictions. Rayfield, 5-1 and one oh, yeah. last week. The kid, were, TJ, were- perfect 5-0 and oh last week. So it's better than us giving you and, losers. And That's let's just be thing. clear. The, my one loss yeah was that was that uh that Blair Cobbs did not stop Maurice Hooker which it looked like he was right on the verge of doing with those multiple knockdowns I think he had three knockdowns and was like a whisker from getting the stoppage he got the win it would have been six no but you know Just so be it get the KO I'll there, take the five and you, one we're giving you winners we are literally now like plus 20 between the two of us on correct picks since early May that. Uh, that ain't bad uh for for free peeps on the bet us show so keep finding us fridays at one eastern time or you can watch us whenever friday or saturday through the bet us platforms and their youtube page and again find us on this podcast feed in the preview mode on fridays and off the weekend with fight freaks unite dan rayfield great info we look forward to the fights this weekend thank you as always my friend you bet my man talk to you later there is dan rayfield i'm merely tj reeves we are done for this week on the big fight weekend preview bye